0: Going on, everybody. This is the ChondroCast, the podcast for green tree pythons and the people that keep them. I'm your host, Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. Enjoy the show. This is episode 24 of the ChondroCast. I am Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics, joined by Sir David Brahms, Special Team Closure Designs, and Sir Luke Myers on the uh, the best coast there. Oh, yeah. and, uh, it's been a long time. I haven't done a ChondroCast episode in a year. Last one was William, so. Wow. It's been a yeah. long time coming. I've had... A- a lot of people messaged me saying, you know, what's going on? When's the next episode? When's this? When's that? And it's like, you know, it, it was the first thing to take a back seat, you know, when the magazine stuff came out and everything else. It was like, that can be shelved for now. So, but we're back. I'm trying to kind of figure out if I want to set up sort of a, a regular schedule or something, maybe do it, you know, once a month or whatever. Um, you know, I know GTP Keeper Radio. They haven't put out something in a while. Uh, and it's funny because, you know, I eventually sort of fell into that same timing, like, time frame of, of releasing episodes after after a certain point, but uh, glad to be back. I'm uh, anxious to talk to y'all about what's been going on the last year. Oh, my cat came back. He's in my garage. He ran off. Uh, anyways, what's, uh, what's happening? David?
1: Uh, let's see. Oh, it's been a pretty good year since we last had a podcast. Uh, I've had um, a few more clutches come through, which is great. Uh, more of the Manaquari stuff that I've been focusing on, and um, right now, my latest clutch, I'm, I'm trying to get babies to eat, and that's really making me go nuts. <laughs> Small clutch, thankfully, because uh, I've got six out of the ten uh, eating, and the other four are just, you know, they want, want to make you pull your hair out. It's that kind of clutch.
0: Luke, on the other hand, dude,
2: yeah. I don't know what happened. I think I got lucky. I think uh, it's payback for what I went through with my first clutch because I I got most of them to take their second meal today. There's one that's, that's awesome. taking, yeah. There's one that's taken pinky heads, but besides that, everyone else is like eating. Most are unscented. It's pretty crazy.
0: I got that's awesome. I got
2: yeah. super lucky.
0: Were you doing like the pinky head on the stick thing?
2: I was just doing it because the, the last one was, um, was striking and rapping, but then mm-hmm. it would just let go. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just kind of held the back of the pinky head up, and it just bit it and couldn't spit it out. <laughs> and it was still super easy because I have had to do the on a stick, but this one, it was still striking pretty hard, and it took it no problem.
0: I've tried that a few times, and it didn't work terribly well yeah. for me. And then when I and stuck I was, the stick through there, it kind of I was paranoid out all the juice. that they, yeah, um. I was paranoid they'd also like <laughs> impale themselves on it or something. Yeah. What have you been doing with your clutch, though, David, to sort of get them? Get
1: them I'm going? doing this thing now where I, I know you've talked about this before in the past, but I've kind of moved away from beating the hell out of the ones that don't want to eat. Mm -hmm. aggressively on their own i feel like that's just way too much stress on them so i i go in and i offer a chick scented you know pinky and i'll bump them a few times and see if i can get them to go and if there's no interest i just immediately now go to giving them um a hind leg of an adult mouse or a section of mouse tail, but I've been doing the hind legs uh, almost exclusively on on this round. And it's super easy. You you get them when they're resting on the perch, you you grab them, shove it in the back of their mouth, and before they know it, you know, they've got food in their mouth, they just eat it, and they go back to resting. It's not like you beat the hell out of them for 20 Mm -hmm. minutes. Um, So what I'm hoping is that um, after I do this for – a handful of times that they'll just switch on so i'm just waiting for that to happen on those guys and it has happened on a couple of them already yeah um, are you doing regulated. the foot end first no i i put the thick, the thick end. end yeah yeah it's not as easy as the mouse tails because um you know as you know the the mouse tails have all the hair pointing in one direction so once you shove it in their mouth it's almost impossible for them to spit it back out um but these you know Generally two out of three times they'll, they'll take it. And then you, every once in a while you get one that's just, you know, is very adamant on spitting it out and is able to do it, but you just shove it back in and then eventually, you know, they, they just eat it. So, mm-hmm. um, so far it seems to be working well and it's, it's super easy. Um, and, you know, I can, the three that aren't eating on their own yet, you know, it takes me about 10 minutes to do that on all three and, and then I'm done and I do it again in another week.
0: And that's from the, is that from the Mako, the repeat pairing?
1: Yep. Mako, Mr. Yep. Jones? Yep.
0: Gotcha.
2: Yeah, I'd imagine that's got to be better than the tail, an
1: actual leg with some, like, more bone in it and stuff like that, too, for him. Yeah, I uh, i actually, Patrick Holmes actually gave me that tip, um, and apparently a lot of the people in the Venice, Venomous community have been doing that method for a while. Okay. Um and yeah, it makes sense. There's you know a lot more uh, protein in that, and you get a full bone in there too for calcium and bone marrow and and all that. So um, they're definitely not losing any weight uh, by me doing it this way. So it's a good sign. I expect that they'll switch on here at some point.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, tails have always worked well as just kind of a placeholder. You know, especially yep. with the and stuff, it's like just something in their system. Whether that helps sort of kickstart it or if it just keeps them where they're at until they decide to take off, you know, everyone says the same thing. When I mention tails they are like, Oh, you should be doing heads or legs. And it's like, nah, they're not, they're not getting thin. They're not losing amazing, like in, insane amounts of weight. It's, mm-hmm. you know, like the cyanide you do it long enough. Eventually you start offering pinkies and they just start taking them for whatever yeah. reason, something, something clicks and they start eating drop feed. No problem. So, <clears throat> yeah.
1: Give them mm-hmm. a re education.
2: <laughs> right. You know, yeah. it's, it's literally like they have to learn to swallow and eat. Because I have yeah. a few too, where you just put a tail and they're like, oh, okay, I get it now. And then the yeah. next time they mm-hmm. do it, it's kind of crazy. Yeah.
0: And I, those, I mean, the baby chondros, and as, as we know, and the, the baby cyania, man, they're so small that mm. those cyania, the only thing I could think of that they're eating in the wild is, is either very, like, froglets mm-hmm. seasonally or like fresh geckos like tiny teeny tiny they're they're so small that i just i can't see them eating anything else maybe uh finch eggs or something i don't know if they get finches native to that southeast asian region across the range but
1: i wonder how many um you know how much uh you know insects some of these things are eating in the wild Mm -hmm. too you know
0: and I've always, been, I've been tempted to try that too, but I know like with crickets in particular, like they're, there's a higher risk of nematodes. Yeah. And some other stuff. And yeah, I don't know. So, but. What's new with uh, specialty enclosure designs?
1: Um, It's been busy. Uh, this whole year of COVID was a real challenge because um, the raw material supply kept getting interrupted oh. a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I had to, um, you know, try and keep up with that. But um, I have zero complaints. Things have been going really well, um, and I've I've added a couple more products. Those PVC purchases to the um, to the portfolio, and and those have been doing well. Um, and I'm actually in the process of buying a CNC table right now um, cool. to Ooh. increase what we're doing. Um, so that uh, once i finally do it though it's going to be a good i think they said 15 to 18 weeks before i can receive it after you put the order in so later this year i'll be playing around with cnc and designing some stuff with that too super cool are you going to do cages yeah not not full-size cages i'm actually going to focus on um for that person who doesn't have a snake rack but wants a baby green tree python but has no idea how to set it up i want to create something specifically for that person so that it does everything that um, we know that they need um, and just makes it easy for them to do it so that that's kind of what i'm going to target out of the gate once i do get it
0: it kills me to see people get you know either your imported bioc or whatever at a show or you know some other smaller animal and they instantly go to you know exo or something because there's really not you can't just have a six quart tub
1: yep sort of Sitting just freestanding standing
0: somewhere you know yeah mm-hmm.
1: yeah and there's been a you know there's been a couple products that people have put out but i'd like to put my spin on it and see what i can come up with
0: i mean it's a natural fit
1: yeah mm-hmm. yeah
0: has, has Gary's videos? Do you see a? Did you see a like a instant increase as far as orders and stuff go with with Gary promoting your stuff on his YouTube channel?
1: Yeah, that's definitely been uh, a, a big influence on uh, a lot of the traffic that I've been getting in the last few months for sure. Um, he's you know getting a a large, a larger following every time he he puts out new videos and and uh, he's been so generous to you know, mentioned me in almost all of his videos, which I think is awesome. Um, So that, that has been nothing but good for me. No complaints there at all.
0: Yeah. I've been enjoying those. That's, we were talking about it in our, in our little group chat with Phil and, and Billy and Casey and Dominique DeFalco. And it's like the perfect balance of entertaining, but also super informative. Like it's not Mm -hmm. all, it's, it's, it's not all just filler, you know, the usual God. YouTube stuff, you know, it's, it's actually informative and the, uh, Andrew Mice Clay, as cringeworthy as it was, was, was pretty entertaining. I'm not gonna lie. So. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Gary's a funny guy.
2: Yeah. I'm excited to try those, uh, fishbone perches. Oh I yeah. I'm up yet,
1: but, yeah.
2: uh, I ordered a new rack and I'm going to put them all together like all at once, but. I'm excited to give those a shot too because I think those look sharp.
1: Oh, cool! Yeah, yeah, I like those because they're particularly when you're going through feeding trials, you know, everything's kind of wide open. You have a lot, you have pretty mm-hmm. easy access to the babies with those. It's kind of the the reason for putting them together. Um, they they work well. I like them.
0: Do you have any other new design stuff? sort of you got any anything else new that you're planning to to bring to the table this year
1: um i i have a couple things that i've created but i i haven't put anything out because i'm i've i've reached that point where um i'm right out straight with what i currently (laughs) have and between my real job and the side job um you know i my bandwidth is pretty much exhausted right now. So I don't dare add anything else and I'm going to wait until I get that CNC table up and running. And, and, you know, that's going to be kind of a step up uh, at that point. Um, So between now and then I'm, I'm probably not going to be adding anything else right now. It's, it's good enough.
0: I still use my, my little pen hook, man. Do you, especially with those, with those cyania, man, like it's, it comes in handy a lot. Cause usually you have a few seconds to kind of grab them before they wake up and realize what's going on. Cause they're, they're runners usually. Yeah. Um, I've got a few that will swing and swing and swing and then take off. And so with those hooks, it's super easy to just scoop them up, grab them, do what I need to do and put them back. And, you know, especially the longer one that she sent the, uh, that like blue one, I have oh, the, right. the original green one. And then there was one that was like an inch longer, I think. And, uh, yeah, those are, those are coming handy, time and time again.
1: When uh, when you try and feed those babies, uh, I'm you know my experience is with the babies. So, do you tease feed them, or do you just leave it in there with them, or what do you usually do?
0: Um, I've done so. I've tried both. Well, I've tried tease feeding, uh, and most of the time you don't really get anywhere. I mean, pretty much all of them act the same. It's not like conjures where you have some that'll you know, grab and wrap when you have some yeah. runners like these guys, Their their tolerance for, for bullshit's pretty low. And so they, you know, they'll, they they'll run. strike a lot and then they take off and, yeah. you know, they'll be on the edge of the tub and like swinging at me and then they're falling. And it's, it's pretty funny. Cause even for, for being so small, they, they really don't have any fear. You know, they'll, <laughs> they'll square up to you, no problem. And they're, you know, all of this long <laughs> and thinner than a pencil. Uh
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> But most of the time I just, I drop feed, you know, with the adults, that's what I do. And they eat pretty much most of the time. The adult male, he can be kind of picky. Usually if I, if I leave in a couple, like four fuzzies, those will disappear like live fuzzies. That seems Uh to be kind of the kryptonite Um, frozen thought it's kind of hit or miss. Sometimes he'll take it. Sometimes he won't, but the female, you just drop it in there. It'll, it'll go away. And usually with the babies it's the same way too. You just, drop it and close it and come back the next day and it's gone. But uh, right now it's so I I popped them and I think I have 3.3 and about half of those are eating uh, Mediterranean gecko scented pinkies and the other half are still taking tails, but you kind of got to alternate. So I'll offer a pinky if they don't eat and they get a tail and sort of repeat that until they finally start taking off. And once they're, they're kind of like alterna, Uh, they're not nearly as, Headache inducing is alternative, but once yeah. they get started, once they get rocking and rolling, they're it's all downhill from there. Once they're eating solid, they're they're usually not a problem. Yep. But Luke, what's new with you, man? Me?
2: Uh you know, move back home. Starting a new job last week was pretty crazy. I got a job as a wildlife biologist, so I get paid to go birding. Oh, nice. It's, it's honestly insane. This is my first week last weekend. Uh, I just go out with some binoculars, make sure there's nothing protected in the area, and then fill out some paperwork and get to go. So that's been pretty cool. I've learned a lot about birds. but um,
0: It's been crazy I'm, to watch you get into that stuff the last, like, what, two years now? Yeah. Yeah. And a half.
2: Yeah, the school I went to was a hardcore. I didn't know it was going to be a really into the birds, but they were, and uh, I, I like them. They're pretty cool. There's some uh, cool stuff out there right in your backyard if you actually pay attention. Ooh. Yeah. You know, but uh, yeah, it's been awesome. It's, uh, and then I think actually, too, oh, tomorrow I'm my first. I'm doing a foothill yellow-footed frog survey. So tomorrow I just have to go look for frogs, which is pretty crazy. Um, And then here, yeah, that one clutch, all are eating now, which is awesome, you know. Got that. I've talked to you guys about that thing with El Jefe, so we're going to see how that plays out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But uh, she's looking better, I guess. I don't know. We could maybe talk about that, too, if you guys have, like,
0: Yeah, I mean, if you want to. Yeah, Yeah, no. No, I'm an
2: open book, because where I'm at, I kind of would love to hear what you guys think about it. Because, so, like. I think I told you guys, she has a small lump. I've been putting this like cream on outside where you kind of jam it between the scales. The vet thinks if it doesn't go away about after a week, then maybe try antibiotics. And if no antibiotics would work, the last resort would be surgery, which mm-hmm. I'm still kind of, I don't know how I feel. Yeah. But because even the past week where I've been taking her out twice a day. She just, like, has been looking so stressed. Like, she hates that I'm taking her out twice a day and messing with her. Mm. So I was going to, like, kind of feed her tonight, give her a week off where I don't touch Mm -hmm. her at all, maybe try antibiotics, and then I don't know. uh, Because do you guys know anyone who's had, like, a mask just cut out and snake's okay afterward?
1: Right?
2: I'm like, I don't even know if I want to go that far.
0: Yeah.
2: I don't. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I I don't either. Yeah, I don't know how much to intervene. You know what I mean? At a certain point, someone like just kind of let it happen. I
0: I think that's kind of the issue, is reptile medicine is, like, from what I understand and from what I've seen, surgery in reptiles never seems to be, like, very high percentage of of success in long-term, you know, survival. Yeah. -hmm. Like, it always seems like it's a pretty big toss-up as to whether or not the, you know, even after... Uh, you know, surgery and recovery and stuff like that, like it still never feels like they're they're 100%. And I don't, I don't know. I've seen talking to my, my old roommate and reading that book that I got and stuff, you know, the anesthesia process of it is, is pretty difficult. And uh, I don't know, but. Mm-hmm.
1: You're dealing with a vet that's pretty experienced though, isn't he, Lou Yeah,
2: no, he has a chondro. He seemed like he knew what he was talking about. Um, yeah. Andy mentioned that, I guess, uh, the, what's that book called again, Justin?
0: The Mater's uh, reptile, medicine, reptile Amphibian I mean, Medicine Surgery. I think he edition. does
2: some consulting. I think that's who Andy was mentioning, so I kind of thought about that. But again, just after this week where even though I'm messing with her so much, part of me is like, look, she's going to make it. It's nothing, not a big deal. It's not a big All deal. Right. And, you know, At a certain point, uh, I don't know. Uh, we'll see. You know, I think, luckily, it does. It's definitely is not getting bigger. so Okay. That's so good. that's, like, kind of a good thing. I was, like, kind of, like, going to be, like, oh, I hope it's not, like, double the size in one week or something. Mm-hmm. So it seems about the same size, maybe a little bit smaller. So, again, I think I'm going to give her a week off and not just, like, rush into anything more extreme.
0: But they didn't x-ray it or anything like that?
2: No, he said he was, like, I really kind of, like, palpated and felt around he's like i could feel that it's like like a mass on the skin Mm. so he was like it's not on an organ or anything like that so he was yeah that's what that's why he thought that like kind of i kind of rub this ointment in i guess opposite way of the scales to kind of get in the cracks and that was his thought Mm -hmm. that it would kind of reach the skin that way um but yeah no extra he didn't recommend an x-ray yet um I'm supposed to call him tomorrow, kind of follow-up. So we'll kind of see what happens. But I even was thinking about telling him, like, uh, I don't want to bring her into the vet for, like, at least another week. Because, again, even last time, just taking her to the vet, she was grounded when I brought her home and mm. been perched up for the day. I could tell she was just so freaked out. Mm-hmm. I was like, this might be messing her up just as much, <laughs> you know. So we'll see. I'm going to try to feed her tonight and see, like, what happens when she actually eats because I haven't fed her yet since I noticed it. So. mm mm-hmm.
0: But well, that's something I've said. been I've been really curious about within the last few weeks is uh, sort of vitamins and things that can help sort of boost that that immune system and and help them sort of cope with you know the physical the physiological effects of, of stress and stuff like that and mm-hmm. um, and that's another reason why I got that book is because I had so many questions when it came to to eggs and sort of the process of that and gas exchange and um, you know, vitamins, what benefits them, what doesn't, uh, that I, you know, I sold my, my copy of the complete carpet Python just to, to buy that book. And, uh, it's, it's so big. Like my arm fell asleep the other night holding it, just flipping through it. It's like 10 pounds. It's unbelievable. <laughs> do, uh, do they go into the depth about, cause
2: I, I would like to learn more about eggs too. Cause that's for sure. I think one of my biggest struggles too. i I suck at incubating eggs. Mm -hmm. I have not got it dialed in yet. And I think I'm just like not connecting the dots fully. I don't know.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's detailed in pretty much everything it talks about. I mean, it's, it's really in depth. It covers uh, like gastroenterology um, in, in all, in everything, amphibians, reptiles, uh, and breaks it down by lizards, crocodilians, snakes, talks about uh like nervous systems musculoskeletal uh, skeletal systems um i mean it's it's crazy in depth but it's also not so technical that you can't understand anything you're reading mm-hmm. like the guys that wrote it did a really good job of making it so that someone like me can go and read it and be like oh, okay that makes sense um but I can also see it, you know, if you're a vet, I think it's, and you, you're in an area that where you see bearded dragons and sort of your sort of run of the mill exotics. So I can see that being just a, a really helpful tool.
1: Because there's
0: charts and stuff that talk about, you know, they they even rank some of the the commercial diets for, um, that you see like PetSmart and stuff for, for various lizards and tortoises and rank some based on, you know, what they think the crude analysis is, is decent or not. And there's, uh, Tons of charts and stuff in there. It's just, it's, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. Worth every penny. I just don't have anywhere to put it on my bookshelf. Mm -hmm. It sits on my, it sits on my nightstand (laughs) like a Bible at this point. So (laughs) how the, uh, what are you doing with those, those babies that you have right now? Did you send them or anything or do they just take them as is?
2: I had some, uh, I had some chicks from about when I had babies about three years ago.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So I, it didn't honestly seem like they were making too much of a difference for the first time because I think they're just so old that you they know they've been in that freezer for like uh, yeah like three years. They kind of lose their scent. Yeah, so yeah. it didn't seem like they were t- making that much of a difference the first time. And this, uh, yeah, I fed them right before we came on, and they all most of them took completely unscented. A few I still sprinkled some like. Chick down on there, but mm-hmm. they're they're rocking and rolling. They're uh, they're pretty mean little neos. it's pretty cool. That's awesome. Right? Yeah, I felt like I got. That's why I'm like again, without you I'm ready for a shot to the nuts because I was like, this is way too easy. I have some yeah, screen <laughs> karma coming reason. my way. Yeah. <laughs> right? So we'll everything's see.
0: going exactly how it should. Something is wrong.
2: Right? Something's gonna happen. But um, yeah, there's some cool ones in there too. Yeah, you excited. got a pretty
0: decent spectrum as far as like you got some darker stuff with the pattern. And then there was that one you posted on your, your Instagram story the other day that was like so bright red. It looked like an emerald, you know. Yeah, it was
2: so just... that one's crazy. And it's like the most reduced pattern too. So mm-hmm. I think I'm going to keep the darkest, busiest pattern one and the most reduced pattern bright one and see what happens. Nice. Yeah, we'll see. It's been fun. Mm-hmm. How and many that did you I got I uh I got 14 eggs and then um eight went all the way. Uh and then out of the eight, seven hatched, and there was one kind of like deformed one um where it like looked like it had died a little while ago. It was pretty weird. You know, like when you see like a baby in the fetus position, like all kind of yeah. boiled up. It was like that, but Like, it was still kind of coiled up as a snake, but the, like, lines between its body still hadn't, like, fully separated. So, it was, like, Mm. one piece. It was pretty weird looking. Um, But, Mm. yeah, I got a total of seven. But, yeah, no, it was cool. I need to figure out incubation more. I think I got that vermiculite too wet like an idiot. (laughs)
1: Yeah.
2: Um, But some bounced back and others didn't. So, you know, I'm going to say I was... (sighs) creating selection in the incubator for the strongest (laughs) babies and only the best ones came out, you know? That's right. (laughs) There we go.
0: Did you do anything different this round as far as like your egg box? Did you change anything up than from the first time?
2: I bought a sea serpents incubator. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that definitely, I think worked a lot better. Um, but I kind of just had them over water at first. And then they kind of were denting in, which is still crazy to me, like, after first the first five days. Because I had a pan in there, and there was all the water in the egg box. And then I switched them over to vermiculite. And I think uh, I think I just, my scale was broken or something. Because I sent you guys a picture. And I think, David, you were like, that looks really wet. And like, <laughs> within well, five days, honestly, I felt so stupid. I was like, I should have probably just, like, bought a new scale when I did that. But within five days of putting them on vermiculite, a bunch of them developed the windows. Mm. It was weird. What was really weird, too, though, again, I, I don't fully... I need to try to figure out what's going on in there because some... I got them off, off the vermiculite, and some stayed on there, did fine. Some, the windows closed up, and then some, like, two weeks later, developed windows, even though they weren't on the vermiculite anymore. So I'm, I'm not too sure. But what's also kind of weird is it was the same female... Yeah, And both times so far, she's laid 15 eggs and both times eight went the distance. So interesting. Yeah, so maybe that's all she can really crank out, eight solid eggs and she doesn't put, I I
0: don't know.
1: Yeah, I don't know about you guys, but I'm actually kind of glad I haven't had like a 24 egg clutch where they all hatch. I can't even imagine dealing with (laughs) with that many babies at once that are pains in the ass.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you think about guys like uh, you know, buddy and, and mm-hmm. them that produce mm-hmm. tons, you know, multiple clutches. It's like,
2: mm-hmm.
0: I, it's, I don't know. I've after, I guess after dealing with alterna and after dealing with the Cyanian stuff, maybe it doesn't seem like it's as serious if they're not eating within, you know, a certain window. Yeah. Um, but then again, I mean, you got guys like, you know, Ryan young who were like, they don't want to eat. They don't want to eat, you know, Yeah. and they just, maybe they just weren't meant to be. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what y'all's take is on that. I feel like, you know, I'm kind of the reason they're there in the first place. So it should be my responsibility to make sure they, they have a good start and as best as I can, at least.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think as long as they're outwardly healthy and, and act normal otherwise, I I do everything I can to get them to eat. Uh, you know, it. I feel obligated to at least get them on that path.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I completely agree because again, like I, we were just talking about, I think sometimes you put a few tails in them and it's like a flip switch. Yep. I feel like you gotta at least give that a shot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> it can't hurt.
1: And it's so easy too. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not like that's mm-hmm. a difficult thing to do. I mean, it's super easy, <laughs> right?
0: Yeah, yeah, and I mean, even as fragile as as they are, being that small, you know, I was worried that you know later down the road maybe there'd be some kinking or something from from. Sis feeding him tails but I don't know I haven't had any issues with mine um, yeah. as far as I know no one else has had any issues with theirs I think you just have to be super delicate with them you know yeah. as gentle as possible mm-hmm. but that was kind of my thing was like well I mean they're not eating but I feel like I'm, I'm with of the opinion of Cody Bartolini which is it's a lot less stressful to take 10 seconds to get a tail in them than to sit there for 10 minutes you know trying to convince them to, to strike yeah so yeah mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. and you can see them get so stressed sometimes when you do that where they just like shut down and go yeah. kind of limp and you're like this is not good for you like I should they get, not be doing this
0: they get
1: punch drunk
2: right yeah literally yeah. just kind of like oh.
0: <laughs> they don't have any blood in their head because from all the all the strikes and stuff yeah. yep. crazy.
2: I will say I forgot how much
0: Neo's shit has
2: been driving oh, yeah. me crazy I've been spoiled with all my adults the past few years so I was like I forgot how messy
0: these little fuckers are. Yep. <laughs> That's why I'm convinced that, that the two I have from you, Luke, from that first clutch, I'm fairly certain they're females. One of them, especially because when she goes, it's like a, a twice a year event at this point. Mm-hmm. Like she just holds onto it for so long, and I just start misting her nightly. Like this looks painful. Like, can you please just just do it? Mm-hmm. And uh they're both kind of that stocky, sort of thicker build that you would kind of expect from from females, anyways, and they got kind of the, the stubbier, rounder heads too. So I think I think both of those are girls. That's and crazy. I was hoping I was hoping Starscream was going to be a male, but I think Starscream might be a female as well. Really? So.
2: Right.
0: Yeah. Hmm. There
2: you go. A bunch of females. That's good, right?
0: Yeah, but I mean, I'd, <laughs> if Starscream was a male. You're like, boy, you'd be going in with every female I got. <laughs> Yeah, you the, village, try. the village pimp. Mm-hmm. You got to
2: try if uh, they're not going. I'm, I'm fully converted. I know I used to do the uh, rain chamber, but I've been doing the just taking, out them, taking them out on the lawn and hosing them down. Mm. And that's become like one of my favorite things to do because you kind of just like watch them, you know, let them explore in the grass. And it seems like they kind of enjoy, it. you know, they're smelling everything and it mm-hmm. works. It works. I even say for me, it works faster than the rain chamber now. They go within like, Two minutes, you just that's start holding awesome. them down, and they go. So.
0: I wonder if it's that smell of like the grass and the dirt, you know, that that triggers it. Mm-hmm.
2: I think it's just movement. For me, yeah. my females just don't move too much, and between the rain chamber and misting at night, mm-hmm. my females really much. The one consistent thing seems to be that once they start cruising, that's when they'll go to the bathroom. At least yep. for me so far.
0: Yep. Yeah, I've wanted to try it, but I we have. Fire ants are very common here, and so i I'm always super paranoid about them just rolling right through a mound or something that i didn't see because <laughs> they'll pop up mounds in no time that you know within a week you got a giant mound in your yard that you didn't even see until it's there so I'm always a little paranoid about about that
1: the whole uh the whole thing with the adult females not going on a regular basis drives me crazy i mm-hmm you know, particularly when you're trying to condition them for breeding and stuff Mm -hmm. that, you know, I want to be able to put the food to them and, and, but you have to throttle it back if they haven't gone in a while. And, Mm -hmm. um, I just, you know, there's something about their husbandry that we haven't quite figured out yet and drives me nuts. Um, I don't know if you guys recall a few years back, somebody put a post up, uh, I don't even remember where, but they, they did some like time-lapse video overnight showing the activity of, of their green tree when they left their enclosure dry versus when, uh, they sprayed it down Mm -hmm. and the activity on the animals was so much higher after it had been sprayed down, uh, Mm um, overnight. So I I don't know if it's just something about the way we're keeping them that, you know, they, they hunker down and, Mm -hmm. you know, they, they don't move and that's why they're not going, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but and I you mean, in wanna, theory, you don't want to soak that, it down all the time. You know? Right.
0: Mm-hmm. And I mean, in theory, that would make sense given, you know, the seasonal rains and stuff like that, because I guess when it's dry, they're like, this isn't the time to be expending any more energy than I absolutely have to. Right. And, uh, you know, when it's raining, that's when it's everything's happening. That's when yep. it's time to get moving and feed and breed.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. No, I, uh, I drilled some extra holes in a bunch of my cages because I've been spraying the females directly at night Yep, and, th- and then they move around and you know, they don't, I know people talk about that, uh, evaporative cooling, but I feel like if you have a, if you have a healthy snake and you can go wet and it'll be yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah. I think
1: people worry too much about that stuff. I really right? do. It's I also crazy. think a lot of the, the snakes that were having issues previously probably had nido, an and nobody knew it, you know, mm. and you're, you're stressing them out just a little bit more and. You know, that probably put them over the edge. But mm-hmm. I mean, if you have NIDO-free, healthy animals that doing that, I, I'd be surprised that I actually did anything bad, you know.
0: Yeah. I think as long as the water's – because I have one of those uh, – like Luke showed me originally that Brita pitcher trick for yep. water and filtering and stuff. I took it a step further and got – Walmart has these big like six-cup, ten-cup, filters uh with like two separate levels so the water drains through the top level and into the bottom and then it's just got a little valve on it yeah uh, and so anytime i'm i'm missed like i'm filling up my mist or something i just make sure the water's been in the room for a little while to get to room temperature because mm-hmm. sometimes i'll put colder water uh, from the faucet in there and then that's do a, you know when i do water changes um and i think as long as it's room temperature you know it's i don't th- think it's a big deal i've never had any issues with that one bioc that's that's having shedding problems consistently i've been keeping him straight up wet Mm -hmm. um which i don't like to do that for more than maybe like 48 hours i like to give him a break and let him dry out and then you know hit him again um but i don't know i mean i've had some i don't know if you guys have this issue with yours but well not necessarily an issue but i've noticed with some of mine Especially that six and that smaller rack that I have that has the two from Luke and and Starscream and the other three, um, I've noticed some of them do drink when I missed them, and then there's mm-hmm. others that they just tuck their head. They're like, "This sucks, get away from me." But I've got some that'll drink like crazy. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of odd that some automatically will just start going to town on water, yeah. And you know the other ones are just not into
1: it. One thing I noticed is cause I, I still do the rain chamber, uh, on the breeding females just so that yeah. when I'm particularly when I'm feed cycling them, I, I want to make sure I clear them out. So I still do it. And I'll, I'll sit and I'll watch them sometimes for a while. And, you know, I, I think initially, you know, they, they will tuck their head, some of them, but then if you continue just with the session, they just kind of relax and realize that, Oh, you know, everything's fine and i've had them where you know they were shying away from it at first but then 5 minutes in they're they're moving around they're drinking off their coils and mm-hmm. and they get active i think it's just you know the amount of time that you give them uh mm-hmm. doing that stuff you know um it's it's a longer process i think than most people realize you know
0: mm-hmm. have you guys done anything different food wise you change up feeding regimens or sizes on anything
1: no
2: I've definitely over the past few years kind of gone a lot closer to that whole food cycling thing kind of because I mean David I mean it seems like it's working pretty well for you I think it's hard (laughs) to argue you know what I mean and then it's kind of nice to get a break during the summer you know where you don't feed them you just kind of leave them alone for a while and then you get go out do your thing so that would be my main thing I definitely especially the females I think I feed a lot more now um, yeah. but that's about it
1: I, uh, I, I've i made a point not to change much I, my my personal opinion I don't know if you guys agree but I think where a lot of people mess up with these and even some other species is they're always mucking with them, they're changing mm-hmm. things too often and I, I just I firmly believe now that a large part of the success that people can have comes down to stability, just keeping things stable and the same even like yeah. Mm. Consistency. Like I, I won't even move my adult females into a different cage. They, the cage they're in is the one they're going to be in, you know, as long as I'm breeding them. Mm. Um, and I think is, you know, um, if you keep everything as, you know, stable and, and the same as much as you can, that's only going to benefit you. So I, I've, you know, I feel like I've, I've gotten everything pretty much locked down and it's working so I'm, I'm i'm not gonna change anything yeah, going man. forward you know mm-hmm. I've, I've heard stories where people you know they like would build a new snake room and they transferred their animals you know into a new room and breeding activity came to a screeching halt you know on some of their adults and they never came back you know they mm-hmm. could never get more eggs out of them mm-hmm. and it kind of goes to you know when people think a quick road to success is buying an adult female Uh, you know that I think that's why it doesn't work because they they want that comfort you know where Mm -hmm. things are the same and they're used to it and they feel like it's safe to produce a clutch of eggs that's my theory anyway
2: yeah I mean even again I took that I took El Jefe to the vet, that car ride to the vet and back. She went back in the same cage and was still like, what the fuck just yeah. happened? <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. She went back in the same cage. She didn't even like get sent to a different house, you know, in a new cage. So, you yep. know,
0: they definitely, they definitely like it constant. That is something I, I, at least with the other stuff, like the rat snakes and whatnot, especially the Jansen and I, uh, is making sure that when I, you know, I just moved my mail into that Cambro rack I got just because it works better than the the 32 court. He was in, um, mm-hmm. uh, and it's still escape proof. Cause that's the guy that that's, that's, uh, I named him Hannibal because I have to keep him under lock and key. Otherwise he somehow finds his way out. Um, uh-huh. like keeping, they have the, the fake ferns and stuff in there. And I'm a, I'm a, I really believe if I keeping those a little dirty, even if they have urates or something on them, familiar sense you mm-hmm. know when you, yeah. even when you move into something else i think those familiar sense or make the make the process a lot easier and it could be completely anthropomorphizing everything but um
1: no, i think I there's, think there's, there's a level of
0: a level of familiarity you know yeah mm-hmm. yeah i
2: i honestly don't clean my purchase too often i'll clean the bottom mm-hmm. but I let them have their, their stink on the purchase. I'm like, oh, that's fine. You know? yeah. well,
0: I mean, you think about it, you do substrate changes, and what's the first thing most of them do of anything, yeah. whether it's colubrids or pythons or boas, is they go to the bathroom. And I think that's part of that, like, home turf. This is, like, marking it. Yeah. Familiarity. This is where I'd come back if I was going anywhere, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, it's fun to think about. But... Mm-hmm. but I have that one male bioc that so i had him in one of the python portal setups uh i want to say that's like a it's one of the not the 200 quarts, it's like a 50 quart maybe uh and he was one where I, i'd move him into something bigger like i moved him one of the 200s and he was fine for about two or three weeks and then for whatever reason started refusing food mm. which was completely out of the norm for that animal because it's he, he never refuses food uh so i moved him back into that and he started eating again no problem so I was like, well, what the hell? So I just kept him in that, but then it got to the point where he was kind of starting to outgrow that. And so I put him in that cambo rack and I was like, you're either going to do well or you're not, you know? And that snake stayed grounded under the puppy pad for like a month straight. Like he was like stubborn. Pouting. Yeah. <laughs> and only within the last week, has he gone back to perching completely normal? He's gotten two meals in him, So maybe it's been about two weeks. Um, completely back to normal, no issues. Yeah. So I think it was, I mean, sometimes, you know, ordinarily, like if I was newer into the green tree thing and that had happened, I'd kind of be worried and probably stress it more to the point to where I would have lost it. But Mm -hmm. I was just kind of like, you know, I'm tired of playing this game with you. I'm not moving you back into that, that 50 court. You're either going to live in this thing or you're not. Yep. Mm -hmm. And then that, the other, the bigger male biak. uh, that he's he's in that cambro thing as well. He never even cared. He was like, "Whatever, dude. Feed me." <laughs> so, I don't know, and I'm a kind of at a weird point where the two from Luke are starting to get a little big for the 21 quarts that I have in those racks. Mm-hmm. But they're also kind of still small to put in those cambros cuz it's the big cambros. I want to say they might be the same size as the ones that are on your is that your right side,
1: David? There. Yeah, those yeah. guys. Yep.
0: Um, but then I'd like, when I see them stretched out and moving around, I'm like, you know, they probably could be okay in that. But what I really want to do with those camber racks in particular is get uh, Pothos and stuff set up in there mm-hmm. and sort of give it a little more visual barriers and stuff to kind of make that transition a little easier. I don't, David, have you noticed that makes a difference at all with either fake or real foliage when you bust um, things
1: up? Yeah, I mean, I've only ever used the fake just because, mm-hmm. you know, it's easier. Um, they they definitely like it. You know, mm-hmm. they, they purposely perch underneath those. Um, it's fake ficus that I mm-hmm. have in these. And more often than not, they're directly underneath that foliage for obvious reasons, you know. They feel mm-hmm. secure. I think it's, you know, if you can do it, you probably should, you know. Yeah,
2: um, four of for mine i all have... Pothos and those umbrella plants in them and, and they, mm. uh, they love them. Uh, I'll have to, honestly, half the time she'll go up in there and actually, cause I, I use your water dish holder, right? Where I put the plant in there.
1: Yeah.
2: And she'll all the time, sometimes like, you know, she'll be out during at night and then she'll go and she'll go perch up like
0: during the day. Uh-oh. Lost you for Hello? a second. Am I still there? You yeah. are now. Uh-oh.
2: I'm going to try refreshing. I don't know if you guys
0: can hear me. I, I tried the, the pothos thing in the, the water bowl holder with that male and he just ripped wrecked it. it. Dude, it dirt <laughs> everywhere. It got to the point where I just took it out, and I just left the holder in there, and he would per- just perch on the holder. I was like, your, your plant privileges have been revoked, because you just you just either pull the plant out itself somehow, or the <laughs> yeah. whole container would somehow just end up out. It's just... It's like, are you digging in there like what the fuck is making a mess
2: yeah my bad my my alarm to close the chicken coop went off on my phone (laughs) (laughs) my phone just like freaked out as soon as that happened but yeah i mean mine mine love the plants and uh even the males i have like the umbrella plants that kind of like grow up so they go like on their perches and hide behind it during the day and then they come up and hunt in the front of the cage which is even cool to see so, they actually really do kind of have their like spot where they go sleep and hide during the day and yeah, out hunting at night, which is, I really like it. And I think it just looks cool.
1: Yeah. You know? You
2: know?
0: Well, I had small cuttings in with the, the younger animals. Um, and they did okay. Like the, the, they, the cuttings themselves didn't grow very, very well, but it was only because I was using like literally one leaf, two leaf cuttings, nothing major. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did notice that the humidity, in the tub seemed to be higher, you know. Just with those in there, and I think that that also is a really good sort of, you know, like David has in his room with the the pothos growing. Like it is like kind of a nice purifier in a sense.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I yeah, need to I get think my hands having with another pothos. Yeah, I think having live plants is a is a big plus if you can incorporate them somehow. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I and
2: I, I love the. Because, like, I'll just, like, if I ever get bored with one, I just pull it out of that water dish holder and I have another one that I've already planted and, like, let rooted for a month, just put it
1: in. Plunk it in.
2: It's so easy. It's pretty cool. And then since it's off the ground, it's easy to, like, clean the cage, too. Cause that's what I did. I didn't want to have to, like, move a plant anytime I had to, like, you know, change the puppy pad or anything like that. Right. So that's actually one of my favorite parts about it, too.
0: That's what I have to do now with my tannin bar scrub. He's got a bunch, he's got a, pothos that's just exploded in that cage i'll have to send you a picture of it and then he's got a when i got rid of the frogs i saved the Philodendron varicosum that i had in in one of my tanks Mm -hmm. and that's grown in there too but they're both in pots and he's got some big pieces of driftwood in there and so anytime i gotta clean his cage i gotta pull all that out i gotta pull him out which is a chore in itself scrubs like Mm. you think chondros or velcro dude scrubs take the cake for being the most annoying snakes to try and get out and put back in Mm um and i mean they're potted and i I do want to switch them over to put them on like cypress mulch or something just so i don't have to do that you know anytime i need to change the pad but i would like to get you know whether i keep them in pots or not or just have them in the water bowl kind of like p and cody have done in the past with some of their stuff just have pothos in there growing and that camera rack, fortunately, has like on each level it has a bulb outlet, and so there's a like an LED light bulb screwed in there, and so that kind of solves the light issue. Mm. Even though you could grow pothos in the black closet, you know, dark closet. Mm-hmm. I just I don't know. I'm, I think it it would benefit them. Yeah,
2: yeah, those puzzles are crazy. I forgot. I think I'm just c- growing mine in an eco hearth, and they're exploding. And they just get it wet every once in a while. And I forget. I asked someone, they're like, literally, you can grow them in anything. It yeah. will be fine.
1: Have you guys ever seen pothos when it's growing like in the wild? Have you ever seen what they look like? I've heard they're huge. They're ginormous.
0: <laughs> so my the old ones house. that we have.
1: Yeah. yeah, the ones we have at oh, home. Yeah. I mean they're they will turn into those giant ones if they're allowed to. Mm. You know, Ooh. They're crazy.
0: And that's something I want to experiment with as well as having pothos and egg boxes. Mm, I'm cool. really, really curious to see if that would have any effect overall just with the gas circulation and, and I guess air circulation for that matter. But I went to PetSmart a couple, like two weekends ago, and in the, I have a, a clutch of corn snake eggs hatching right now. And I, you know, how they sell the little top fin aquatic plants and the little mm-hmm. cardboard with the plastic. Um, I bought one of those, and it's this little small stuff. I don't even remember what it's called, but it looks like clover almost. It stays small. It's meant for a bit like a foreground plant. Yep. That is, and mm-hmm. uh, I put some of that in each corner of that tub, and I'm I'm sort of playing around with it to see how it does. And so far, it seems like it's growing fine. You know, I I saturated the the APS a little more than than I normally would, mm-hmm. um, but the eggs are on a so there's the aps there's a light diffuser and then they're laying on a bed of spag so they're not even really getting close to the actual water itself mm-hmm. um but i have those plants in each corner and i'm curious to see if it if it makes any difference it may not it may i don't that's something i've been really really interested in lately is doing bioactive quote unquote egg boxes mm-hmm. you know i've done springtails and some of them um I did isopods and some of them, and those you got to kind of be careful with because some of them will chew on the eggs. But it's uh...
1: fun to experiment, though. Yeah,
2: yeah, could be cool to have like, just a pothos even in the main chamber, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> just that yeah. plant, right? Who knows? Maybe it'll clean up the air.
1: Yeah, that's one thing I did different this time around. The eggs that are incubating now, I I um, I'm using an air pump to put air into the main chamber mm-hmm. so that you know it, it trickles in. It bubbles through the water reservoir, you know, not not super mm-hmm. fast, but enough to uh, just have a very slow, steady stream of fresh air going into the main chamber throughout the day, see if that helps at all.
0: I tried that with that first clutch. I had a, a reservoir in the main chamber itself, and I had so much condensation buildup on the door that I ended up, mm. I think, actually taking it out because it was just, it was getting gross. Like, there was yeah. so much water in there, it was getting out of hand.
1: yeah. I think the main difference for me is cuz I my incubator is in the in this room and it's mm-hmm. 82 83 degrees in here so the temperature differential isn't huge from you know the incubator to outside here so the the amount of condensation that I've gotten on the the front glass has been next to nothing which is kind of interesting it's good mm-hmm.
0: Have you done any, like, temperature drops at night with the incubator itself, or is it just constant?
1: It's constant, but I am running it at, at a lower temp this time. Um, I think I'm at, mm-hmm. like, 86 and a half. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm actually probably going to drop it even a little bit lower as it gets closer towards the, uh, the end, a little closer to 86. I want to see, if, you know... um if it actually makes that much of a difference in the robustness of the babies, once they do hatch,
0: mm-hmm. you know, what'd you cook well, yours well, at well. this round? Luke, me,
2: uh, I did like 87.1. Okay. Mm-hmm. But again, I'm still struggling with that. I feel like, you no, know, I should never, ever give anyone a <laughs> <to> patient. advice. <laughs> Not, yeah. But yeah, I did 87.1. And, uh, I, I cooled off a little bit at the end. I think at the like uh, ten days before, I dropped it about one degrees. Did you? Yeah. So I just yeah. I figured. I mean, I know people do it straight the whole time, um, but it was the only clutch in there, so I figured out I'll cool them off, yeah. and they, they did just fine. Yeah.
1: Because
0: I've started doing that with the Caliber clutches. Because when I got the first Cyania clutch, um, there's a guy over in Europe who breeds a ton of Boiga. And so I said, like, what are your egg boxes set it up? And how do you, you know, what are your incubation temps at? Like, what are you you doing? Because clearly he's successful. I mean, the guy's breeding multiple species in the genus and doing really well. And so he told me. And so I've had my incubator for the last two clutches going on four set to 82 during the day. And then it drops to 78 at night. Um, But the issue, I wonder, though. And actually no I check because I have a Govi I have a Govi sensor in my main chamber because uh, my concern was it's so well insulated is it even dropping to that that lower temperature at night and in checking the Govi, it actually does mm. so i I don't know I'm curious if if you did something similar with Condra's, if it would have a a negative or, or positive effect
1: yeah that's a good question it, it's too bad there isn't a lot of field data uh, on you know, maternal incubation to find out how well they're able to maintain temps Mm -hmm. throughout the entire day, like how much fluctuation is there really taking place? I bet there's more than we, than we think, Mm -hmm. you know?
0: Yeah. Given that they can't control external temperatures, you know, if there's a storm or low pressure front or high pressure front coming in, you know, they don't, they don't have any way of controlling that. They can only control what they can produce. So maybe that's, I guess maybe that would be different than with chondros because, you know, they have maternal incubation, obviously with, with colubrids, you don't get that. So, Mm -hmm. you know, they would, like colubrid eggs would experience that nighttime drop. Yeah. And then the, I don't know, I'm constantly just brainstorming this kind of stuff and thinking about ways to, to make it easier. I just, like I said, reading, like finding all the books and stuff I can about this kind of stuff and just trying to, I feel like if you understand the basics and and how the whole process works i feel like you get a better handle on on actually doing it and and replicating it yeah getting better success
1: i i think because we don't have everything figured out that's what makes chondros that much more fun Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if these were easy you know as easy to breed as guppies nobody would really care yeah yeah you know
2: yeah when i was first uh you know trying to figure out which because my first snake was a green tree and i remember like you know find out about about, ball pythons and stuff and it was like wiki how and it was like seven steps to breed breed your ball python (laughs) and i was like well that's not that exciting if i can learn how to do it on wikipedia you know what i mean yeah so yeah i think that like you said that definitely is what makes it a lot of fun right there's nothing nailed down there's still a lot to improve yeah
0: i do think it is one of the one of the few species where you there's so much variation in how people do things.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: Like, I don't. I don't. I feel like you don't really see that with a lot of other other corners of the hobby. You know, like corn snakes. It's like this is how we do it. We know it works. Yep. You know, like I feel like conjures. they con- and emerald is too, for that matter. I feel like people are constantly like tweaking and trying to fine tune things and work that puzzle. Yep.
2: Yeah, I feel bad sometimes because sometimes, you know, people like, I guess, message you with a question or something and you're like, well, that could work. Like, it wouldn't surprise me.
1: Yeah.
2: Like, <laughs> like, thanks for that help. And I'm like, yeah. I've
1: everything at this
2: point. But like, yeah, you know, like that might work. I don't yeah.
1: know. It's like, uh, why don't you go try that? Tell me how it works out for you. Yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> you're like, oh, yeah. yeah. But again, nothing at
1: this point, nothing surprises me anymore. I'm like, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing that I've, um, been trying to experiment with on, well, on pretty much every clutch that I produce so far, I've had at least a couple, one or a couple, uh, babies develop a prolapse, you know? Yeah. And, and for me, that's, that's essentially a death sentence at that point for that, that baby, um, there. And so, um, this last round, um. I did like a full-court press to try and see if I can get it so I have zero babies develop a prolapse. And I conditioned the the mom uh, during the feed cycling. I was actually giving her uh, a vitamin mineral supplement to, to boost, you know, the nutritional content of the eggs that she lays. Um, and then uh, when the babies hatched, I kept them over water for a brief period to make sure Mm -hmm. that they were like super hydrated. Um, and I was, you know, on top of them in terms of I would spray them once a day, clean them constantly. Um, and I still had a baby develop a prolapse. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm starting to think that, um, it's, you know, yes, hydration and all that can play into it, but I, I think it's either something to do with feeding them, pinkies or there's some uh metabolic thing that happens during incubation where maybe like the connecting tissue or something yeah. wasn't developed properly so that's why like i'm i'm gonna incubate them at a cooler temperature just to see if somehow maybe that makes a difference sort of
0: slowing it down a little bit yeah. yeah
1: yeah so i'm starting to think that you know i i know for a fact that these guys were hydrated and the mom had plenty of nutrition going in, so mm-hmm. I'm I'm at the point now where I'm eliminating those as you know potential root causes on this, and it has some, There's something else that we just haven't figured out yet. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know, it's just another one of those things that uh, to experiment with, you know. But th- this one's particularly frustrating. It drives me crazy whenever that happens. Oh man, you just opened up the tub, and we're like, damn it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: I'm interested, you know, whenever I get another chondro clutch in the next decade. Um, the mice cutting thing that I've been swearing by for the last couple of years, you know, if that makes it easier and it helps them grow a little more and get a little more meat on them. Um, yep. And if it makes it easier for them to pass that kind of stuff. You know, yep. Even though, I mean, when you see them, when you see them go to the bathroom, there's, there's really not a whole lot there. I think their bodies using like as much as possible, even stuff that normally like older snakes would just pass. Yeah. Um, just from what I noticed with mine. I'll
1: tell you one thing I have noticed is, um, you know, the starting them out on like day old pinkies that when they go to the bathroom on some of them, you can tell that they were struggling to, to get it past Cause they smear mm-hmm. it all over the place um, versus the ones that, I've been assist feeding with those mouse legs. Mm-hmm. When they go, it's a nice solid mass, and you know, hmm. real clean. And that's why I'm like, maybe it has something to do with feeding them pinkies. You know, it's a completely unnatural prey item for them. And because it's just like a gelatinous mass, maybe it's just there's not enough fiber or something that yeah. allows them to to move it through their yeah. system, and they end up tearing things. I don't know. You know, maybe the hair helps. Maybe, yeah. Kind of keeps it all together, right? I don't
0: know. Like, I wonder too if maybe it's like a like a calcium thing. Yeah, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know.
1: But I've also dipped the rump of these pinkies in vitamin mineral powder. Yeah, you
0: were doing that.
1: Yeah, and I have done it this round too, and there's something else at play uh, than than what we think.
0: What kind of water are you using?
1: I use tap water here. We have pretty good tap water in Maine. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I I drink it regularly and you know, it's not um you know, it it's clean. It's good water. But cuz
0: I had I had I, the prolapse issue early on with I had one of the ones I got mm-hmm. from Luke had a prolapse and I was using distilled water at the time, which distilled water, I don't even think people should be drinking distilled water. No. Um, and I think a part of the like the a big reason I had issues with that was because, like, if you think about it, distilled water is just H two O. It's not anything else. There's no minerals. There's no salts. There's right. nothing. And so my my theory is is that because that water wasn't saturated with those, when that animal drank it, it took away some of those those trace elements that they would normally have Definitely. in the, you know the muscles and stuff and. And sort of zapped it of of any of those minerals they would be using. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's completely anecdotal, but I, I really do think that that like there's a sort of an osmosis thing going on where that that distilled water was taking away those nutrients from the from the body. Yeah, and that's why I was having issues with that. But I mean, I that animal is still fine. That that animal hasn't had a prolapse since. Like it just had the one. Yep, and that's uh, good. The sugar, yeah, awesome. the sugar thing worked really well for me. I don't know about y'all, and I even had some. Uh, someone on on Instagram message me. They had they had an animal with a prolapse, and I told them this is what I did, and it worked like a charm. It takes some time, but yeah, it solved it. You know,
1: I've had really bad luck. Whenever they develop them, it's as soon as they get them for me. I know it's well, this one's doomed. Mm-hmm. You know. I did, but you um, tried,
0: I you you tried the it. sugar thing?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, when they develop one, I'll go through all the motions to try and get it corrected. But I've had it where um, I can get it shrunk down and go back in. And and then, you know, three days later, it's right back out. You know, yeah. and, um, it's just one of those things. I think once that tissue has been torn on those little tiny yeah. days, that it's super difficult to get them turned around at that point.
0: Cause that was my concern with, with the one I had to deal with it with. And I think there was another one I had to do it with too. I can't remember which one it was, but, um, I didn't, I don't think I fed that thing for almost a month. I just completely left it to be, yeah. you know, aside from cleaning and water changes, I didn't mess with that snake at all. And yeah. I n- never came back, never had any issues. And I, I started it back on small, small meals, like really small meals, you know, basically making it as easy on the digestive system as possible. Yeah, Especially that, you know, the back end.
2: Is there um, is there like a time frame for you, David, where once they make it to like three months, they're usually good? Or is this happening in like the first three weeks? or?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think most of the time it's happening fairly early in their um, growth. Um, when they're still on like day-old pinks um, is when I'm seeing it more. Uh, I did have one animal from my first clutch develop a prolapse later on, but, um, all the others have been very small neos, you know, whenever they developed them.
0: How high was the concentration of the sugar you were using?
1: Uh, it was high. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I was getting mine to the point to where it wasn't even dissolved in the bottom anymore. Like the, it was so saturated with those sugars and stuff. It might yeah. as well have been corn syrup. Yep. And I noticed, cause I, I kind of played with it as I was going, like I put a little bit in there and see if it made a difference and it didn't. So I'd add a little more and mix it up and add a little more and it was messy, but it, it worked well for me. And I know people have mentioned using like a, almost like a paste, like yeah. taking it and, and sort of making almost like a, like a little mixture putty sort of deal out of it but i just soaked the back half and and like holding the snake for like an hour yeah with the back end dipped in a deli cup full of just super
1: sugary sugar water yeah i mean and you, you know, gotta figure yeah, you're trying like to make it thought. be like a like a desiccant right Yeah, yeah i don't know Which, we'll figure it out it. eventually
0: well, that also is kind of what made me wonder about the water, you know, the water quality thing is like, well, if sugar does this where it sucks the water out of that tissue and makes it go back where it's supposed to, Yeah. you know, is distilled water doing that as well, like just from the inside where they're, you know, the, the things, the the electrolytes and salts and minerals that they would normally use to help sort of on the cellular level, I guess, lubricate things and, and move things down, you know, maybe that that goes away when you do distilled water. And after that I'd switch to, to, you know, the Brita thing and I never had a problem again. So I, yeah. I don't know. It's like I said, it's completely anecdotal, but I, I do wonder if there's something to it. And
1: Good I know thing. people,
0: people have mentioned with geckos and some other stuff, especially amphibians like distilled water is a big no, no. Cause it just, it, it's really bad on the, on the bones and the yeah. uh, calcium and, and stuff like that. Calcium absorption.
1: Yeah, I I was even wondering if, um, you know, those who are able to feed like fresh killed prey versus frozen thawed, if that made a difference, because I'm I'm not breeding rodents right now. So all the stuff I have in the freezer, you know, has been in there for quite a while. And um, I was wondering if it was like a like a vitamin A deficiency or something, Mm -hmm. because um, the you know when i started reading up on it vitamin a pay, plays a big role in your your mucous membranes um throughout the digestive tract and if you don't have enough of it then i'm you know i was wondering if there's just not enough of that lubricant through their digestive right. system and that was causing issues and that's why i started supplementing the babies too when i feed them mm-hmm. and and um i'm just not seeing that, that makes a difference you know there's just You know, if they're going to get it, they're going to get it. And I don't know what the root cause is right now.
0: Well, also that, that book that I was talking about, I was reading a section on feeders and mice in particular, and it it mentioned vacuum sealing uh, and making sure they're not like out open. Like when I, so I breed my own mice now. And so when I euthanize mine, before I vacuum seal them, they sit in the freezer for a few hours to, to solidify that way. I'm not putting them all in a bag while they're still pliable and soft, and it just becomes one giant brick. Yep. Um, when I freeze them individually, then vacuum seal them, they come apart a lot easier. Um, and it mentioned making sure to not do that for an extended period of time because the the animals, like the, the food literally dehydrates because of, I guess, it being exposed to those temperatures and the water evaporating, yep. I guess, more or less. So maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know. but Yeah. There's a lot of what-ifs
1: in Congress. Yep, a lot of variables.
0: I definitely want to eventually start reading some of my own books. Dude, it's, it's so much better about it now. Like, knowing what they're what's going into them. Mm. Quality control is, is 100% on you. Uh, and it's actually, like, for me, I find it to be, it's fun. I enjoy it. You Mm -hmm. know, when you're, when you're someone like P and Cody, you have like a whole barn where they're spending hours and hours and hours each week, cleaning everything. I could see where it would get old. But if you have like a smaller operation, kind of like what I've got going on, I like it. I mean, it only takes me maybe an hour each week to clean everything. And, you know, I stop by there. So I clean them on Sundays or Mondays and then I'll stop by there on a Wednesday or Thursday and top them off on food and check on stuff. And it's been, I actually enjoy it. It's actually fun. And, you know, Rob stone talking to him about it, you know, his, his philosophy of, of love your feeders just as much as you love your animals. Mm. You know, that's something I've really adopted. And I, I spoil the hell out of them with, you know, I get a really high quality bird seed and stuff from, from tractor supply that they get, you know, once or twice a week and grasses and then the, the rodent pellet. And I, you know, it's funny when my, when my, so my dad was originally the one who had the, the rodents cause he had his king snakes he got out of snake, So I took over the rodent colony for my own stuff. Cause why would I get rid of him? Um, he was feeding his dog food periodically. Mm-hmm. And you know how some dogs get those fatty masses like on their sides and stuff, mm-hmm. I guess from eating just low quality food. I noticed mice were getting that. Um, and I'd end up just euthanizing them because I don't know what it is. I don't want to feed it. I'm not comfortable feeding it. Um, but I noticed now switching over to that diet, I've not had a single rodent have that issue since moving them over. That's awesome.
2: I might have to switch my dog food because I just had a few of those taken off my dog. <laughs> really? Uh-oh.
0: Yeah, I don't know. It's just so greasy, you know? And I was talking to Rob Stone about it too. He said, you know, it's it's like it shouldn't be the primary bulk of their diet, but to give them a little bit here and there, you know, that's no big deal. But yeah, to feed them that constantly, I just, I don't know. I just... I don't have those issues anymore. Their productivity is off the charts. Um, I started putting uh, so there's a tractor supply has become like my best friend when it comes to a lot of this stuff. Mm. They have a, a powder that is electrolytes and it's also vitamins and minerals. And so I have that in the giant reservoir that helps the, you know, the females get stay hydrated and stuff. And then with the grow outs, I have two water bottles. One is just straight water and the other one's water with that electrolyte mix in it. So they kind of have an option And, uh, yeah, I mean, everyone talks about how difficult mice are and I, I really haven't had any problems. I've had some that, that fought and some that killed, you know, one of the, one of the tub mates or whatever. But other than that, I mean, it's been a breeze.
1: Yeah, that's good. uh, You you can keep them in a barn like that. I I had a small colony that I was raising here and in the basement and I just stopped doing it because of the smell. mm -hmm. Yeah. That's the only downfall. Yeah, my uh, my previous job I was taking care of
2: rats at a university for biomedical research, like rats and mice and all kinds of stuff. And I got to say, I'd rather take care of mice than crickets any day. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, well, they're, they're a little interesting to watch, you know, I hate to admit it. But after a while, it's like these things are kind of cool.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, the, just the ability to to control what they eat, and you know what's going on. You know, that's kind of my gripe with a lot of the, you know, the, the feeder suppliers and stuff is, you know, you don't know how they're being kept, if you know how often they're being cleaned, how often they're being fed, yeah. what they're being fed. You know, there's a lot of a lot of unknowns there. And now that I can do this, and even having like the smaller operation I have, I mean, I'm I'm bagging couple hundred mice a week and it's nice too because if i need a certain size yeah, have a up to that size and i have a vacuum sealer and everything too and so i you know, freeze yeah. them bag them and then i just write the date and i try not to let anything sit in the freezer for longer than six months ideally three months i try to feed stuff off uh sooner rather than later
1: mm-hmm. i know that when i was breeding um you know rat snakes and corn snakes having a steady supply of live pinkies was invaluable. So much better when you have that available.
0: Yeah. I've been, I've been loading up on, on pinkies the last two weeks, just in preparation for, for eggs and and babies and stuff. Yep.
1: So Justin, when are you going to be able to, pair up condors again what's your timeline looking like Uh,
0: somewhere in the next five years yeah i lost that that female that that i had was my only adult female my only breedable female so everything else i have has another young minimum of, of two or three years to go probably longer just because I, you know, I don't feed mine a ton. I was, we were talking about that the other day. Like Luke sent me a picture of one of the hold bags he has, and I was like, that thing's considerably larger than than my two from him. So I should probably start feeding them a little more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that just the problem was is like one of them in particular was getting so chunky. I was like, I just need to stop feeding you for a while. Like you're just yeah. getting, even when they're young and they start getting thick like that, I'm like, I don't. That makes me uncomfortable. I don't. Mm-hmm. Ain't no fat chondros in this house. No. Yeah, I gotta,
2: gotta hose them down, spray them, make a move, go to the bathroom, and hit them with the I try I... to,
0: but man, like so one of them is fairly mellow, but the other one is just borderline demonic. Just oh, really? really doesn't want anything to do with me. <laughs> and it's also ironic because my my holdback from the clutch, the bioc. It's probably one of the most handleable Conjures I have. Like, that thing is super chill. I know you guys have talked about, one of you had one that you said wasn't, the one from me was was not that friendly.
1: But. Yeah, that's the one I have is a yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The one He's out for I, blood.
2: The one I have from you, Justin, is the only Conjure I've ever had where it like knows, it actually like, you know most of them sit and wait to strike yeah. like perch? this one will have its face pushed up where the tub backs open <laughs> and literally be trying to come out at me when it's feeding time. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. It's, <laughs> it's cool during the day, but oh my God, at night it's, it practically flies off the perch when it goes for food. It's crazy.
0: Yeah, I mean, I have the, I have the male still, the adult male. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I could reasonably, I guess, hunt down another bioc female because I do think especially now that now that will banks is no longer with us you know there's it was pretty much him and fisher uh i think thomas O'Kane was was really focused on just beox for a while mm-hmm. too uh there wasn't it's surprising how many people weren't slash aren't currently focused on just breeding captive bred beox
1: i don't understand it because
0: the demand actually i mean i i noticed like i didn't have any issues selling mine people were all about it yep you know, and I think maybe it's just because they come in in such numbers and they're so cheap at shows people don't think it's worth it, but
1: they're I wrong.
2: <laughs> I don't think they're even cheap anymore. That's the crazy part. It looks like
0: they're going up in price too. Yeah, probably yeah. cuz of COVID, a lot yeah. of the importers and stuff, all that stuff came to a dead halt.
1: I think if anybody is successful breeding and then if they're able to do any of the localities, you know, a straight locality pairing, you you can't lose if you mm-hmm. do that. Regardless of where it's coming from.
0: Well, even like Bill Stiegel was saying, having a you know something that's not necessarily like super high end, but like yeah. an entry level captive bred conjurer was like that's it. And especially if, if they end up being as as chill as mine is. Yep. That's ideal. That's almost bizarre holding a, a you know a B-O-C. at least in my experience. I know people talk about how there's you know, they're not all monsters. Most of the ones I've dealt with were
1: horrible. Yeah. So, well, Daniel Natouche says that too. Mm-hmm. That all the field work that he did, biocs, he he you know, would say that they stand out. They're Mm-hmm. They're definitely different behavioral wise, you know.
0: I think we asked him about that when he, we had him on the show, didn't we, Luke? And he said mm-hmm. something that we thought it was like a predatory thing. Like they had more more predators, mm-hmm. and so they were naturally more high strung, but
2: Yeah, I think we talked about that. And then you find out that they're the most related to the mainland too. They're like the least separated. Yeah. You're like what? <laughs> you know, yeah. This is like looks the most different, but it's actually the closest, which is kind of crazy.
0: The uh, I love how now that he's been posting stuff on Facebook and Instagram, man, it's been so cool to see that stuff's like, awesome. I love it. Yeah, like I've was... learned a lot just from his posts and stuff about what's going on over there. And yeah, he was showing pictures of neonate condros and he's like, Oh, look, it's hunting and it's daytime. And yeah, like, that's the sort that's the resource we need, man. We need the guy that's that's boots on the ground, has been there, yeah. knows what he's talking about. I'm not going to question anything that he's been, you know, seen over there. I've never been there.
2: Hell no. I actually have been feeding all my Neos during the day now, and that's been mm-hmm. working great.
0: Yeah. Which, once again, that that would fall in line with the natural history part of it because skinks and small lizards are going to be active during the day and not at night. Yeah. It's just so funny that there's an answer for almost everything with them, but there's still so many answers we don't have. But what are the plans for the rest of the year? Y'all going to be pairing anything later?
1: Yeah, Dark Horse is up for another round this year. Woo! Yeah. yeah. I'm hoping for a little little more success this time around.
0: Are you going to do the same mail, or are you going to mix it up?
1: Yeah, I'm, Dr. Jones is going to be paired with her again, because that... The one baby that I got from their first clutch, I'm just so anxious to see what it turns into. I love how it looks right now. So that seems like a a good matchup.
0: Well, even doing him and Mako again, because didn't Patrick Holmes get one from that clutch? That's just out of this world.
1: Yep. Yep. Yeah, Yeah, I was very happy with uh, how all those babies have turned out better than I had hoped for, really. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't complain at all.
0: What about you, Luke?
2: Um, uh, me, me. Um, hopefully the f- plan was El Hefe was finally gonna happen this September. You know, it was so close, but we'll we'll see what goes down with that. So that'll be really cool. Mm-hmm. And and then um, and then I was gonna do. Uh, I have. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen. Um, it was like Bladder times Raya. Bladder. I don't. Is Vita still active at all on Facebook? I haven't Jesus seen him so in ages. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, I mean, I think he was kind of on Instagram. I didn't know if he was still active on Facebook, but uh, I have a female yeah. from that clutch, and I would pair her with the other one. Uh, I would pair her with Crazy Train, so that would be pretty cool. Um, yeah, yeah, because she's a high percentage B ox, so I think that one would be really awesome. And then one thing I'm kind of on the fence about, but I've been looking at is, I might uh, pair up that female that lay the clutch again i mean she just looks so good right now i use i always told myself i'd give him a year off but i've been looking at her i don't know if i'm maybe just a little bit baby crazy or i don't know but i really think i'm like she looks totally like 100 back to normal like i think yeah. she's really ready for fall. my girl
0: bounced back so fast mm-hmm. it was amazing
2: so yeah yeah it's kind of weird because i always thought oh, i'll always give them at least the well, the season afterward off but and he's like, you know, I, I know her. I've had her since like, you know, 2015 and she looks good, you know, and I kind of want to see what happens if I do that. So we'll
1: see. I was, I wanna... I was going to do the same thing, Luke, where I was going to give them a season off after breeding them. But I did the clutch that's in the incubator now. That's back to back. The clutch out of that one female. And, you know, I I think, you know, based on how they look bouncing out from that, the first clutch, she, you know, within a couple of weeks was like nothing ever happened. So mm-hmm. I I had no worries pairing her up again. And it's the same thing this time around. There's like, it barely impacted her, you know? Right. Yeah. I was kind of like, you know what? Like, like you said, like, I
2: know her. I can, I, I think she, I'm going to go for it. So we'll see. Yeah. But that, that makes me happy to hear. So yep. that's awesome.
0: Are either of y'all supplementing calcium at all with the
1: females? Yeah, I had been. Yep. What are you? Are you using? Like I was calcium? using um uh Rapashi um uh, calcium plus. Yes. Yep. Yep. And I, started- I was doing it. You know, just dunk the uh, the rump of the mouse in the powder and and feed it to them when I'm doing the feed cycling.
0: Because I started doing uh calcium gluconate. Tractor mm-hmm. Supply also sells, you know, a decent sized bottle of that for seven bucks. That's something Matt most does with with his female colubrids. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started doing it because especially with that corn clutch that I got recently, those eggs look a little rough. Like she could have used a, a bump before beforehand. Um, yeah. And so I've just been injecting like, you know, not a, not a ton because it also it does it does do a number on the gut flora from what I understand. Yep. Um, but giving them a little bump in that. And especially with the Bairds after she, she laid that clutch of six. And I think she's, she's double clutching. and she's got another clutch in the works. It looks like, um, making sure that she's getting plenty too, you know, in preparation for that. And so I, I wondered if doing that with, if you're doing that with any of yours, cause you know, I think even a little bit goes a long way. You
1: know? Yeah. Um, uh, you know, on some of my, my adult females, I supplement them with UVB too. Mm-hmm. And, um, I noticed that the clutches, uh, originally before I started supplementing, I, I got eggs with windows in them, even with the supplemental UVB. Um, but then when I started giving the calcium powder, um, the eggshells definitely looked more mm-hmm. uh, robust than they had in the past, like zero windows. And, um, you know, I, I was actually even kind of concerned that maybe I didn't know how thick the shell was, um. And if that was going to cause problems when the babies want to hatch, but uh, I didn't have any issues at all.
0: I'm going to have to look into the book some more because I know calcium absorption, there's, there's a certain ratio of phosphorus that needs to happen mm-hmm. for them to use it effectively. And just thinking about it now, I don't know. I'll have to consult the the Bible. Yep.
2: Yeah, definitely. I want to give it a try this, this year. only done i've gotten seven out of 14 this time and eight out of 15 last time so yeah it'll be interesting i'll try that same female again and see if maybe that helps some stuff. Mm-hmm.
0: so the ones that didn't hatch were they just they weren't fertile or were they dead full term you mentioned one was was pretty full term but the other ones what happened with them
2: they just like develop lead spots and they just start sweating kind of you know by like week. Three, you know, they were kind of gone. So oh, they gotcha. they had embryos, but maybe they just didn't have everything they needed in them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In the incubation, I think they got a little too wet. But again, some eggs got wet and bounced back and were fine, and others just couldn't handle it. So who knows?
0: something else I was thinking of. Yeah, the uh, so the other thing that I think might help too that uh, maybe one day I'll be able to figure out a way to actually test it but cutting the cutting the mice for females so that they're getting the you know the nutrients and the calcium from that a little more efficiently than they would just as is Uh that's something i've thought about a lot too definitely seem to like i've noticed with the rat snakes and stuff they definitely seem to to digest faster when i do that like that lump doesn't hang around nearly as long as it does if you just feed them just the whole thing uncut um problem with conjures though as we all know is when they they wrap something they wrap it hard and so if you're too deep on those cuts it gets messy real quick yep uh and so what i've been doing is towards the tail like at the base of the tail there's a little more little less muscle and and fat and more sort of just skin so i cut down there instead so there's it's not as messy when they do squeeze it because i've had a few man they squeeze that thing and it just like all between the coils and stuff you just see guts and stuff popping
1: out <laughs> yeah.
0: and then I got to hose them down because they got blood and stuff all over their face and, like, Jesus. Yeah. I'm yeah, that problem sure. with colubrids
2: I really want to try, I mean I think I, da- I sent David, so I think I sent both you guys those papers too but I, I do really want to try breeding my own rodents and doing the like not frozen just freshly killed Yeah. Mm-hmm. I-, I think there is some evidence that that really kind of helps a lot with a lot of the vitamins and stuff
0: yeah. I had gut flora too
1: yeah that's right.
0: It's something I've wondered with like if you did fresh kill it and you like I gas mine with co2 for for euthanizing. Um, if that sort of extra calcium or co2 buildup has any sort of negative effects on them is what I've also contemplated. Hmm. but I'm also not super hip to how that would work exactly.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I I think they'd be okay. I think if that was the issue, right? I think something would have popped up with everyone's snakes. Right.
0: Yeah. So what's uh anything stand out that anyone's in the the chondro community's done? Since I'm not I'm not really I'm not I'm not in the groups, so I don't really see anything. But Garrick produced those two clutches of killer blue stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. trying to think. Yeah.
2: Out. He's actually local to me. He's like a, a few miles away. I sold him his yeah. first Contro back in the day, which is kind of funny. We talk on a, on a regular basis. He's a pretty funny guy. But uh, he talked about, I think you mentioned earlier, David Wright, having 24 babies. I mean, his clutches are so huge. It's yeah. crazy. Every time.
0: Um, yeah. We talked about him coming on at one point, you know, a year ago. And, uh, so that might have to happen again. I don't know. That male man is a Kronos. Mm-hmm. That thing is just unbelievable. Hot.
2: Yeah. What else? I'm obsessed with the Mark stuff right now. Those yellow yeah. neos. Those are my favorite thing yes. out right now. I actually think I'm gonna. I was. I haven't talked to him in a while, but I was. I think I was gonna send him a baby because what's kind of cool, right, is those are yellow neos that are melanistic. Mm-hmm. And you know my the like. Like Crazy Train's Red Dom, right? And a lot of the designer stuff kind of is. But these babies, right, were bred to a yellow female, so they'd be RY. So I think it'd be kind of like a cool way to like mix in some of that designer genetics with the, you know, yellow stuff and then still get a high amount of yellow babies, which could be pretty cool. Like if you put them together. And who knows?
0: Yeah, I love that because. Anybody that was like, yellows suck, yellows are never as nice. Oh, I like, love it. This is just going to shoot that just right like a down. It's big middle yeah. finger.
2: It's so cool. I think it's awesome. So I, I really hope, as far as like my favorite project of like the past few years, I think that's just like such a cool one that's just getting started, I feel like.
1: Did you guys see the um, the one that's owned by uh, Victor Guzman? Have you guys seen that? Mm-mm. So he got an animal from Dave D uh, mm-hmm. that I believe is like nothing but pure blue line lineage. And this snake has turned completely yellow. Like there's maybe one or two- Went the other way. In The whole thing, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that thing, I always thought it was gonna like keep on changing, but it just hasn't, right? It's just kind of stayed there.
1: Yeah, and if you look at it too, like, where um like the diamonds should be and stuff it there's like you you can't see anything it's it's almost like it's a a hypo or something that has Mm -hmm. popped out on this it looks so different Mm -hmm. it's not doing anything that it should be doing color wise
0: (laughs) that's something else i've been curious about has anyone seen any updates on that that hypo that was a buddy hatched out
1: yeah i haven't Mm
0: -hmm. there any updates on that
2: no. And then, I know what else? I haven't heard anything about that. And I haven't seen... I don't know if Cla- Clyde Claus is still active on Facebook, but...
0: He posts every now and then. Mm-hmm. Does he still
2: have that female odd job? Because that was one of my yeah, beliefs, so. too. Yeah. Oh, God. I hope she produces. I think that one's super cool, too.
0: Yeah, he's a really cool guy, man. He was at Southeast Carpet Fest. Um, I don't think he was there last year, but he, or the last one we had, which was 2019. But he was at the the one before that. And, uh, you know, obviously, Frank and Greg down in Florida are are producing killer stuff. Um, There was something else that I always thought thought about. Uh, I feel
2: like a lot of people got eggs this year. At least from what I saw, it seemed like a a good year.
0: There's another animal that I thought of. Bill, oh, Bill. Bill doing the sickness pairing again and getting some, mm-hmm. some very similar babies. I thought that was cool. Mm-hmm. I love that all blue female. That's <laughs> yes, pretty uh, cool. Nice. I feel kind of dirty for wanting to pair everything to Beox just to see what happens.
2: Right, I know... <sighs> It, i just want to throw
0: it into everything man
2: <laughs> yeah it never goes i was gonna ask david if the you know justin's biak was a male because i even think dark horse with a biak would be so yeah
1: cool. i'm i'm almost certain it is a male right uh, that, that's definitely going to be getting paired up with some some maniquari stuff here uh when it's ready
2: yeah that would be awesome
0: yeah it's just just seeing what comes out just Pure curiosity, you know. Yeah. Just put them to everything and just see what happens. Mm-hmm.
1: And That's it's amazing,
0: mo- but just some simple, you know, F1 bioc blood, you know, would would do to something. hmm
2: Yeah, I think when I was first getting into conjos, right, you know, people would always kind of talk about the Biak outcross and. You know, I'd be like, man, I don't know, whatever, right? I'd rather, like, cross the monochrome. But after, like, you know, years of just seeing <laughs> it work every single time, yeah. you know,
0: yeah. I'm like, yeah,
2: yeah, it's for sure the best. Ba- I didn't know what I was thinking, <laughs> you know?
0: Yep, pair b to everything and then hold on to everything for a minimum of a year, which I, yeah. I said I was going to do that with that first clutch, and that didn't happen. But next clutch. I'm going to be ready. I'm going to have racks set up and ready to go. So I can just sit on them indefinitely and wait. Yep. Yeah. And if
2: you inspire me a little bit, Justin, cause if I get a female perfectly coiled on some eggs, I'm going to try MI neck this year, if, if it works out, I want to try it so bad. I think that'd be so cool to see.
0: Yeah. Tim Morris is the guy to talk to about it, man. Which is also funny. Cause I've, I've actually come to talk to, to Tim pretty regularly. Like Tim's, Tim's become a pretty good friend. Which kind of blows my mind, because it's it's Tim Morris.
1: Yeah, I'm going edgy.
0: Do y'all ever see the videos of him skateboarding? No. Dude's in Spain. Dude, yeah, he used to be like sponsored and everything. Oh, really? Back in the day, yeah, he was like a professional skateboarder at one point. I'm sure he still is now, but it looked like it was at like parks and stuff. Like skate parks. It's just funny because you you know it's Tim who's he's kind of quiet and sort of just keeps to himself and then you see videos of him x game doing X game shit I want to get a uh, James Opedal on again and talk to him some more because he's I see Andy Middleton's stuff all the time and mm-hmm you know andy's him being there and and helping james out and stuff and getting animals from him it's like man you got like like straight to the source just getting some killer stuff i think he's in in the coming years with what he's got man he's going to be producing some just absolutely outrageous stuff
1: oh yeah no doubt yeah, absolutely.
2: And, you know, again, talk about crazy ass. I do think that, like, Purple Monaco is one of my favorite, too, that James has. Mm-mm. That thing is so cool.
0: Supposedly, uh, him and Tim are going to be at Daytona again this year. Oh, nice. Yeah. Which, if you've ever hung out with those two together, they're, they're hilarious. They're a hoot. Cool.
2: Well, when is that? Is that coming up?
0: Uh, yeah, that's gonna be in August. End mm-hmm. of August. And um, then, I know you mentioned you're
2: going to Texas soon. When is that coming down?
0: That's happening. So we're gonna be gone from the sixth to the thirteenth.
2: Oh okay. Oh, that's really soon, isn't it? Wow.
0: Yeah, it's three weeks. Woo,
1: nice. Right up.
0: I'm I'm super excited, but I'm also super anxious about the plane ride because I have not been on an airplane in since like 1999, and I'd not the biggest fan of heights. Like they don't make me like puke or pass out or anything like that. I just don't enjoy it. So mm-hmm. thankfully it's a short, shortish flight. So, but it's going to be nice. I've never been out there. That's, that's my number one pick for, for herping spots, man is, is West Texas. You know, it, it, it cracks me up. Cause I was on NPR at one point point. they, that was one of the questions was, you know, if you can herp anywhere, where would it be? And of course everyone's like Australia and you know South America. And I'm like, West Texas. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what? But I gotta see bears. I gotta see bears and subox in the wild, man.
2: Got to, man. I hope you find one. Yeah. yeah.
0: They uh, they, so they went last year, a group of them, and they found a bears. But I think it had just been hit by a car, or maybe oh. they had just missed it. Like some people, like another group, had found one, and they were talking about them, and I don't know. But I'm I'm anxious. Mm, that would be cool. Yeah, you're gonna get do you need
2: permits to take stuff home too? Would you maybe take something? Or well, I guess you're flying.
0: Yeah, there's a stamp you get on a on a hunting license. That's for reptiles and amphibians. Um But I don't know. I mean, like with anything that I have that's that's wild caught, at least with corn snakes that I have currently, like they were all I caught them all when they were young. I don't, you know, I don't have any desire to take adult animals out of the out of the picture just because in my opinion they've already beat Darwinism. There's no need to take them out. Like they've already Made their way to the top, you know. With younger animals, their their probability of survival is pretty low. So mm-hmm. I don't have as much of an issue with with taking neonates and and yearlings, but adults, it's I just feel bad, you know. It's like it's it's already made it, you know. It's already survived. It's gotten this far. Let it carry on with, with them strong genes. But. Uh I don't think there's anything else to cover. I think we pretty much hit it all unless y'all got anything else.
1: No, I'm good. Cool. Oh, like hour 40, right?
0: Yeah. So, David, where can people hunt you down?
1: Uh, I'm on Facebook and Instagram and specialtyenclosuredesigns.com
0: often imitated, never replicated.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> Luke.
2: I'm just on Instagram. Luke snake Walker. That easy. Um, yeah, that's about it.
0: Awesome. Well, appreciate y'all coming on. Uh, hopefully we'll do, I'll, I'll try and be better about doing some more Conjo stuff. Um, kinda have a with the legislation stuff going on, I kinda have a renewed I don't I feel like I kinda fell out of love with conjures for a while after losing that female and so Mm -hmm. like I never didn't enjoy them. It was just kinda like one of those the you know the wind was out of my sails. But but having to think about forcibly or getting rid of the cyanian stuff even if I don't want to. Um I don't know. It's like well if I'm gonna do that I'm just gonna I'm gonna go back to focusing on on condros, you know and obviously with the bears and everything else but so it's kind of renewed my my uh, dare I say passion for them. That's a word that gets thrown around a lot but yeah, so well
2: that's good. Yeah, when was the last time you got a new one? Oh man. One, huh?
0: Yeah, I don't I don't even remember what the last one was that I got. I think it was either the one from Fisher or the one from David Hockstat yeah it's been you a know. while then. well yeah. I've, I've just I've been content with what I had like I you know yeah. I feel like I, I had a nice group and I was like you know if something interesting comes along and it comes from someone that I can trust and you know I don't have to worry about disease or pathogens like sure but mm-hmm. for the most part I was like I got a good group I'm just going to raise them up and make something happen and then I was like and I have the adults so I'll continue making some beox but announcing your plans is a good way to make God laugh is kind of one of my <laughs> mottos so Mm-hmm. Yeah, but this has been episode 24, of the Herpeticulture Pod- oh, not the Herpeticulture Podcast, the Contra <laughs> <laughs> Which is part of the Herpeticulture Network. Uh, and we will see you all later. Later, guys. Later. Take it easy.